Hey guys, I'm Parker, um, and I'm just going to be sharing my testimony of how the Lord has recently called me to ministry. Um, so sophomore year of high school, I started to kind of search my heart of like, is God calling me to ministry? Is he not? I didn't want to like close my heart off to that. Um, honestly, I was scared to close my heart off to that and be like in the bad seat of like, oh, you know, like you don't want to be in ministry, whatever, like you don't want to do that. So I kind of went through that with Grace Wade, um, talked to her about it, and I read a book called Is God Calling Me? And it was a really great book, honestly. Um, it's really great if you think you're called to ministry, but I kind of used it as a checklist, and I felt like I wasn't called. So I was like, okay, that's good. You know, I got to figure out what to do with my life now. <laughs> um, so flash forward to this past summer, um, I started working at a vet's office, and I absolutely loved it. I was like, this is my passion. This is what I'm going to do. Like, this is what I'm doing with my whole life. So I committed to Mississippi State, and I was like, I'm going to be a vet. And um, probably about a month ago, the Lord was like, no, you're not. Um, and it's kind of crazy because, you know, I prayed about being a vet. I was like, this is what I want to do. This is everything. And the Lord just kind of like started to shift my focus. I started to have doubts kind of in my mind about that. And um, it just, everything kind of like shifted. Like my perspective was a little bit different. Um, I was supposed to get into like an early entry vet program and I didn't. And it was like a big shock. Like I was like, God's closing this door. Like he slammed the door. And um, so I kind of just went back to the drawing board a little bit. And every person that week where I was like doubting that I talked to, everybody was like, kept saying the word ministry. Like, I don't really know. It just would come up in conversation, you know, like I go to church, I'm at Bellevue a lot. So people talk about it a lot, but like every time they would say it, it was like, God was yelling at me. Like, this is like ministry. And it was just like, it wasn't really like the audible voice of God. It was just more like an impression of the Holy Spirit. Um, so I interviewed a lot of people, kind of talked to them, like, is this a call to ministry? Um, and I did, I really do feel like now, like I'm able to say, like, I'm called to ministry. Um, so something that I've learned in high school ministry, just um, over the years, especially this past year, is just to trust the Lord. Um, so I'm like, okay, I will trust the Lord in this season, kind of figure out what, what does ministry even mean? You know, there's a million different ways you could take that. Um, but something somebody told me um, is a story in Acts 12 where Peter is in prison and an angel comes to him and the chains fall off of him and the angel's walking him out of the prison. And there's this gate that they get to like at the city and the gate just opens by itself. The angel didn't touch it. Peter didn't have to pray over it or anything. It just opened and then they just walked through it. And that's like something in our own lives that the doors that God has for us will just open. You know, like it doesn't have to, sometimes you do have to pray. Sometimes you have to make decisions like that, but you just have to walk forward in obedience and in faith. And that's what I'm doing right now. I have absolutely no idea what the next four years of my life looks like. I know I'm gonna be at Mississippi State, but that's about it. <laughs> um, and I'm just really excited what God has for me. And if any of y'all know me, I'm a huge planner. I like to know everything. Um, so this has been really a big thing for me to like stand up here and be like, yeah, I trust God. But I can honestly say that I do. And that with this, I am called to ministry and that's, I don't know what the Lord has for me, but I trust what's next. <laughs> Hey guys, my name is Asafe. Um, I'm going to be reading for you guys today, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Um, Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. 
and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So over this past year, um, some of you stepped in as seniors, and tonight is y'all's last normal exit 15. I want y'all to think about that. I feel that. For some of you, you stepped in as freshmen, terrified to walk over from the middle school room into this big high school room. Right? Some of you are in the middle there, right, sophomores and juniors. Um, but all throughout the Old Testament, right, we see there's moments that the people of Israel, they come back and they have stones of remembrance. There's markers that they look back and there's reflection. There's moments of celebration of what has the Lord done in my life? I want to stop and I want to give praise to that. What are, the, what are those markers in my life that I can say, hey, this is where the Lord changed me. For some of you in the room that may be, hey, at exit 15 this semester, I gave my heart to the Lord. Hey, at exit 15 this year, right, I invited my friends to play volleyball with me and they got to hear the gospel and get back into church. Those are things worth celebrating. For some of you, it may be the Easter night, right, where we shredded our sins and gave those over to the Lord. Or you had the moment where you bent down and you served your friend by washing their feet. Others were at the altar confessing sin and laying that down. Right, we've had many moments together that are worth celebrating and remembering. Um, throughout this past year, right, we've played a lot of sports. It's been fun, yeah. Um, and so I want to invite up a friend of ours, Grayson. Um, and he's going to share a little bit of his story um, of how he came to know the Lord. Um, and Exit 15 was a big part of that. So go ahead, Grayson. What's up, guys? My name's Grayson. Um, I'm going to share my testimony. I feel like COVID has impacted all of us, right? Well, if it hasn't impacted you, it has definitely me. I would have been 13 at the time. Um, I started to grow into my teenage years with a four-month vacation away from school. Um, I had a lot of time to practice some teenage sins that I was introduced to. During this time, um, I kind of stopped going to church because church was closed down. Um, prior, before COVID, me and my family went to a church called High Point. Um, we lost our head pastor there, so we kind of stopped going, so that also wasn't helping. But um, during this time where I was just practicing all these bad sins, I truly questioned my relationship with the Lord, and um, I evidently starting, started to lose sight of it. At the time, to be honest, I didn't really care about a relationship with God. During COVID, all I really cared about was hanging out with my friends and doing whatever bad things we thought were fun. Um, as we moved on and I um, got older, when I was about 15, um, I knew it was time for change. And um, I started to reflect on my life and how I was living it and decided that I wasn't living it the right way. Because of this, I started to pray for a better relationship with Christ and I prayed for a church I could call home because I no longer had one. This was tough because um, as I was praying, I really didn't see a connection or any answers from God. So. I kind of hit rock bottom and just figured that maybe God wasn't even real. Um, going into my sophomore year of high school, I connected with a lot of great friends um, in my media class at Arlington High School, and um, they really got me connected here at Bellevue, but they always talked about a basketball tournament at school. 
about um, how they play basketball at church. So I thought it'd be fun to go out there and watch them play basketball. So I started coming to Exit 15 to watch the basketball games. And um, I came once or twice, but the third day, which was February 1st, Steve preached on ways we can strengthen our relationship with the Lord, which really touched my heart because the past six months, that's what I've been praying about. And I just feel like I haven't heard from the Lord about it. But um, I think he pushed me to come because that was him answering. Um, After that, I knew I needed to be saved again. So I talked to my friends about it and I came back the next Wednesday and that's when I was saved. That night, I went home and I prayed for a while, and at that moment, everything just clicked. It all made sense. All the unanswered prayers that I thought weren't answered were actually prayed. Um, everything just made sense. All the, um, the prayers I prayed about trying to find a home, um, trying to strong, create a stronger relationship with God, it all just happened. And when I thought he wasn't doing it, he was. My relationship with God is healthier than it's ever been. And it, I met the most amazing friends who are very faithful to the Lord and hold me accountable for doing so. Um, I then went and got baptized in March, previous March, and then I recently joined the church two weeks ago. It's been amazing to see what God has been able to do in my life. Since I've been saved, I've seen many of my friends come to the Lord because they've seen what God has been able to do in my life and how they've moved me. It's been a blessing to be able to save some of my own friends and watch them grow in the Lord just like I am. Just because God is working in silence doesn't mean he's not working. If he hasn't answered your prayers, just keep praying and be patient because it will come. Thank you. Hey. Thank you so much, Grayson, for sharing. Um, what an encouragement, right, to all of us of even just the power of an invitation, of that, how that truly could change someone's life. Um, so talking a little bit about Exit 15, um, I want to invite up Britt and Jake, and they're going to share a little bit of kind of the school side of things, of what that has looked like for them, of living on mission at school and get to celebrate some of those wins. So y'all, y'all give it up for Jake and Brent. What's up, guys? I'm Jake, as they said. Hi, and I'm Brent. And then we're just going to kind of go over a little bit of some challenges and encouragements that we've seen along our high school tenure. Um, the first one is for Brent. We're going to get a little vulnerable here from the start. What has been your biggest regret the past four years of your high school career? Um, so even going past high school, I think one of the biggest things for me is being a big people pleaser. Um, and sometimes that's not a bad thing. Um, but in the case that I'm kind of thinking of, it, it could definitely be that way. When, we, when my family moved here about midway through sixth grade, um, I wanted you know, to obviously make friends. I wanted to fit in. So it was pretty natural to me that whatever I needed to do to make friends, I was going to do that. Um, I didn't want to be considered weird or whatnot, and I am anyway, so it didn't really matter. Um, but I didn't want to... Um, I didn't want to build a bad reputation for myself right off rip. So I would just do whatever people told me to do. I'd go along with whatever everybody else told me to do because that's what I thought was right um, because that's what everybody else said. And so when I look back on leaving high school and now you're the one that can tell people not what to do, but your influence is a lot bigger on them. And now people aren't necessarily trying to please you, but they look at you and they see what you do and maybe younger people, freshmen, different people like that, look to you for what they do. 
And so if you do the same things that the people told you to do in your past, and those weren't things that glorified the Lord, or those weren't things that you would be proud of if somebody else did, then are you setting a good reputation or a good standard for the people that are going to come next? And I think about that um, as I came into my senior year, um, because I play sports, I'm an athlete, and so being a leader on a team, how are you going to lead your team? Um, if you're gonna lead your team to be and to goof off and to do stupid stuff and just always mess around, what's the point? But if you're gonna lead your team and you're gonna lead them to be mature and grow and even away from like not even a faith aspect, but just how you wanna be as a person, how are you going to lead that? And so I think that me being a people pleaser was a big hindrance from my walk with the Lord because I wasn't focusing on what I wanted the Lord to do with my life. I was focusing on what other people wanted, what other people wanted to do with my life and how I could please them through that. So that was definitely my biggest regret. Um, I have a lot of answers to this question, but I think it really boils down to all one main topic. Um, I could point at not sharing the gospel every single day at Arlington. That's a big one that every single day there were opportunities that I had that I said no to. Um, I could point to not starting a discipleship group when I was a freshman or a sophomore when I was directly challenged by my D group leader to do that. I didn't do that till this past year, so that was my disobedience. And there's more like not changing a normal conversation to an intentional one and little things like that, right? But all of that kind of boils down to, at least for me, is not listening to the Holy Spirit. It's choosing myself and my selfish ambition over what the Holy Spirit wants to do for me. And I know we can go throughout our day and the Holy Spirit tells you to open the door for somebody, right? And obviously that's, that's a little thing, right? It doesn't seem like it's that big in the grand scheme of things. But if you have the Holy Spirit, if you're a true believer in Christ and you have the Holy Spirit prompt you to not do things and to do things, and if you say no to that, even if it's little, the more and more that you do that, the farther you're gonna grow from God. And all it takes is the little things. If you can't get the little things right, you certainly can't get the big things right. And for a while, the little things is what I was not good at, and that really hurt me, right? It led me to be more arrogant, led me to be more selfish, right? I would, it's harder to know when you're wrong if you're not listening to the Lord, because the Lord is truth. So if I'm just going about what I wanna do, then I'm not gonna be able to accept when I'm wrong and when I need to ask forgiveness, right? So obviously there were consequences that came with that. It's really hard to reconcile with people when you're the one at fault. It's really hard to get along with people when you're the one who's not being open to what they're saying. And for me, looking past high school and past all I've done this last year, I've really tried to change that. But even then, why are we not listening to the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is truth. It's God living inside of us. Why are we not taking advantage of that, even in the little things, right? It's very dangerous. So I would just challenge you all as we go into the summer, that is gonna be hugely instrumental to how your summer's gonna go. Are you gonna listen or are you gonna say no? Because the more you say no, the farther apart you're gonna grow and the harder it is the farther part you're going to fall away from the Lord, the harder it is going to come back. Um, so that's what would be my challenge. We have one more question before we wrap it up. Let's get a little happy here, okay, Brent? What's something that you've had happen in high school that you have done that you say, man, I am so glad I did that because that just completely changed my life? Well, I think one of the big things me and Jake are both in a discipleship group with our life group leader, Mr. Eric, and I think one of the big things that I've learned from him and one of the big things he's challenged us with is on occasion he'll – um, he'll dare us and it, it's funny because he's, he'll like mess around and say I know you like it when, when I dare you guys to do stuff and then he'll dare us to, to talk to somebody about Christ or to ask the Lord to put somebody in your path to talk about Christ and the, the funny thing is like you can do that but if you don't actually want that to happen then it's not going to happen 
Like if you, if you pray that prayer, but you actually have no intention of going and finding that person, then it's not gonna happen. And you're just gonna think that, oh, the Lord didn't answer my prayer. But it's not that he didn't answer your prayer, but it was the amount of faith that you had in the Lord to answer your prayer. I wasn't there. And that's where it was for me. Because at first I'd pray that prayer, you know, we'd go to, we'd go to discipleship on Thursday nights and I'd pray it but I didn't really mean it. So then when everybody would come back and they'd say, oh, I gotta have this conversation with somebody. And I'd be like, I didn't. And I was, and it was because of my heart, I wasn't really preparing myself for what the Lord wanted to do. And it's funny because even when I prayed those prayers, I ended up, like Jake said, um, something that he was upset that he didn't do was start a discipleship group when he was a freshman or sophomore. And um, I, I, did, I got to start a discipleship group um, my senior year this past uh, January with about five or six guys. And the funny thing was that they were all people that I had kind of had conversations with about Christ, but it was, they all, it all came together after I had finally surrendered that to the Lord and that I actually wanted those conversations to happen. Um, I'm, I'm gonna name drop two people and if you're in here and you don't want me to do that I'm sorry Chris Beck and Ashton Wilcox two people this past semester who I knew them at school but I didn't know them I knew that they didn't know the Lord but I but I knew of them and they both got saved this past semester and now both of them well Chris is in my discipleship group and Ashton Wilcox is about to be discipled by two of the people in my discipleship group which is really really cool but none of that could have happened without putting my faith in the Lord in those conversations um, and stepping out to have those conversations. And now you can see the fruitfulness from Mr. Eric being a discipleship leader of me to me being a discipleship leader of Chris and now Chris being able to disciple Ashton. And that's just in a year. So, yeah. And God can do great things if you're just obedient. Um, for me, mine is really practical, um, but it's very hard to do. Um, I can point back to sophomore year and I know, especially if you're an underclassman right now, you kind of are in that stage where you may want to be best friends with everybody. And I struggle with that because I would want to walk throughout the hallways and be like, hey, what's up, man? What's up, man? What's up, man? To everybody. I still do that anyways. But I wanted to be able to text all those guys every single day and then be able to talk to them. Right. And that's a popular thing to want to do because, of course, you want to be best friends with everybody and know the business of everybody's life. Right. But you cannot practically do that and remain 100% to everybody. How am I supposed to be 100% to 15 people around me and not expect someone to be upset at me because I'm not giving them my all, right? What I did and what I highly encourage all of you to do is find four to five people that you know are chasing God with all that they have, that not only have, them, have God first, but have him at the center of everything they do. And you need to find those people, you need to grab them and run along with them. And you need to pour out your heart to them right? Because they will do the exact same thing to you if you do it back. If you give a level 10, they might give a level 8. But if you give a level 12, you already know they're coming to 10 because they can see that you are willing to pour out your heart to them. And that's exactly what we did sophomore year. And of course, you can have other great friends. I can name so many other good friends that I have besides my four or five guys. But again, if I have guys that I'm going to go hang out with, if I had one more hangout for the rest of my life, I'm going to hang out with those guys because those guys know every little detail about my life and I know I can trust them. Right, so yes, you can be friends with a lot of people, but have your best friend be a small circle. Your best friends be a small circle because other than that, you're gonna hurt some people and other people are gonna be hurt by you. Right, and obviously more drama and gossip comes along with that. That's a big high school issue as well. So that's just a little bit of our hearts. If you wanna to talk to us a little bit more about those things, 
would be 100% open to talk to you about that from the lowest struggle to the highest tip-top moment. So I'm gonna pray for us, and then are we going next? What are we doing next? Okay, all right, I'll pray for us real quick. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. God, thank you for all that you've done for us. God, I pray that if there's anybody in this room that is just tuned out, Lord, they're not locked into what you have for them right now, Lord, I pray that all the attention in this room will just be gravitated right to where you are and in your presence. God, I pray that no one will miss out on something that they need to hear tonight. God, but you will just attract everybody's attention right now here. Lord, I pray for anybody in this room that's struggling with friendship issues or anything like that, any gossip or drama, Lord, I pray that you will help them realize that, God, you are the sole audience. God, that you alone are the one we should be trying to please, the one that we can seek comfort in your presence. Lord, I pray that you will give all of us peace. For those that are in Christ, give us peace in this moment. Lord, as we head into the summer, Lord, as much as we give in to you, you will give in back to us. Lord, I pray that we will understand that as we go into the summer. Lord, that this year in high school ministry, this will be the most transformative summer that we have ever seen in high school ministry. Lord, please allow us to do that and equip us to do the best we can. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, so yeah, I'm Lane. Um, I'm a senior, so this is, yeah. So this is my uh, last official, X15. A little bittersweet, looking at all the seniors we've grown up with. Um, and I have the great honor to give you all a little devotional thought. So give me like 10, 12 minutes, and I'll, and I'll get out of your hair. But um, regret has kind of been the theme, not the theme of the night, but regrets come up a few times tonight. Um, Jake and Brent was one of their questions. And I have two regrets. Um, from high school that I'm kind of focusing on. One of them is tonight standing by the drums because that was a big mistake. I can't hear out of my right ear. <laughs> and so I'm going to remember that. Simon, you're doing great. Um, but the second regret's a little more serious, and it's been for all four years. And uh, it's going to seem kind of cliche because this is a worship night, but I think that over high school, I have not worshiped well. Um, I, I haven't really understood what worship was um, completely. And as I was kind of studying for what I was going to do and um, praying and thinking about it, I realized that I really did have an incomplete idea of worship. Um, wor worship and praise are completely different. Um, praise comes after. You know, it goes like worship, prayer, praise. Praise is what you do when you have the exodus from Egypt. Um, worship is what you do when you're in the middle of a storm and you know the only thing you can do is cry out to the Lord. Um, praise is jumping and dancing. Worship is on your face. Um, and so as I was thinking about this idea of worship, and I was, I'm a history geek, and don't stop listening because I said that. I promise this is worth the time. Um, I was reading a book by John Piper, and he talks about Albert Einstein, and I'm going to read the quote from you. Albert Einstein looked at what preachers said about God and felt that they were blaspheming. He had seen much more majesty than they could ever imagine, and they were not talking about the real thing. He felt that Christianity did not have the proper respect for the author of the universe they claimed to worship. Our worship simply doesn't come through for who he really is, who God really is. And on the one hand, I mean, it can't. He's the God of the universe, all the majesty that we can't understand. We can't understand God. We can't worship him in his fullest, but we can cheapen it beyond where it should be. And I've fallen into this, and I've fallen into it in two ways. I haven't worshipped, or I've worshipped the wrong way, and I've worshipped for the wrong reasons. Um, the way that I've worshipped wrong is I haven't been looking at it as a sacrifice. Romans 12, 1 is one of my favorite verses, and it says, Paul says in it, um, I plead with you, brothers and sisters, to present your body as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable unto God, for this is your true act of worship. So the true act of worship is a sacrifice. I never made that connection. 
In other versions, it says, for this, not that this is your true worship, it says this is your true act of spiritual service. And the same language is used in Leviticus and Deuteronomy when it talks about sacrifices at the tabernacle, chopping, killing an animal, chopping it up in atonement for sin. And I have never looked at worship as a sacrifice. I've never seen worship as something you have to give up part of yourself. I always thought it was, you know, praising the Lord. You raise your hands and, and you fall in love with the Lord a little bit more in the middle of that chorus, or when that bridge hits, you know that's, that's the presence of the Lord with you. But that's really not actually what worship means. That's, that's more praise, if anything. Worship is all about sacrifice. That's consistent in the Bible. And worship can only truly be worship when it's a sacrifice. What does that mean? That means that we have to be willing to give up part of ourselves in the science of the Lord. Otherwise, we're not worshiping. We're just praising. It's easy to praise. It's really hard to worship. So I've noticed this as, as we've been singing song, not tonight, but it, as I've been listening to worship music and stuff, worship music can really quickly become about us. It can really become wor- worship focused um, or it can really become personally focused. Um, it's a lot easier to talk about how you feel than who God is to you and what that means you have to give up. And I think we can miss the point really quickly. And I think we do. And that's, that's the difference. Sacrifice is the difference. So that I, I've been worshiping wrong in that way. Um, I haven't been seeing it as a sacrifice. I haven't been looking for what I can give up and assign my affections. But I've also been worshiping for the wrong reasons. And this is, this is something that's probably the most, one of the most important things I'm going to say. Worship has nothing to do with me. I'm going to say it again because that's the, that's, that's the main point. I want you to remember that. Worship has absolutely nothing to do with me. It doesn't matter how I feel. It doesn't matter what happened that day. It doesn't matter what I regret or what I'm proud of. Worship only matters in what we can give to God. And once we give it to God, it's not ours. And so it has nothing to do with us. The less of us that's in worship, the more true the worship will be and the better a sacrifice you'll be making. And if you ask Cain and Abel, a good sacrifice is important. Abel gave the best of what he had. Cain just gave what he had, or just gave what he, what he found. He didn't put effort into it. So, so worship is not only sacrifice, it takes effort, and true worship has to have some form of sacrifice. Otherwise, it's not a true act of worship, and the Lord won't accept that. Just ask Saul in 1 Samuel 15 when he decided that he should build a statue and have people worship it. And he thought, I could honor God through it, but he made a statue of himself. And that becomes idolatry. And here's the fine line between worship of God worship of self, and then worship of self and idolatry. And I, I, I've fallen into this many times. Worship is not emotional manipulation. Worship is not what you do when you're feeling sad and you feel like, you know, that one song by Bethel Music, that's my go-to right now. That's the song that'll cheer me up. That'll get me smiling. I'll blast it with the windows down and all my problems will be gone. Um, this relationship that I have that's gone wrong, you know, I have a song for that. Yeah, the Lord's in that. Yeah, the Lord's going to use worship. He wants to comfort you in your need. But if we don't give up that relationship, that regret, that ambition, that sadness, if we don't give it up, then, then nothing's changed and nothing's happened and, and worship always ends with change, you know? Worship is not, yeah, it's not emotional manipulation. 
Now, I've heard this from a lot. I've heard this from a lot of people, and I've said it myself probably. Whenever we get done with like Beach Week or something, and we're talking about our favorite parts, and we say, "Man, that worship was exactly what I needed." Like, man, that that hit the spot right there, and that's great. I, I get it. I, I've I've been there, but man. That worship had nothing to do with how you felt. That worship had everything to do with what you could give and what you were willing to give away. You can't give away feelings, you can just change them. And that's something that we can do in our own power. So why do, why do we need God for that? Why do we need to worship for that? You know, We don't need to worship to change feelings. I'm not saying feelings are hard or wrong. I'm a high school senior guy. <laughs> like I get it feelings are, are big and they're hitting right now, um, being the last like 15 and everything. I get it, but God's greater than our feelings that can change on a dime, you know? And if we're giving God our feelings, what are we really giving? We can give him our hurt. We can give him our, our, our hate. We can give him our, not hate of God, but hate of, you know, other people. <laughs> and we, we can give him, we can give him our sins and, and that's, that's good, but what does that... I hate to say, what does that cost us in the long run? But if you can change it in a day, what does that really cost you? You know? And I, I, I'm just saying that because I've missed it. I haven't, I haven't gotten that. You know? I, I love to blast the worship music on the way home with the windows down and feel good by the time I got home. I did that, I did that a lot. But there's a difference between worship and praise. And if you need something to the Lord, you should pray. Once he... Once you pray, that's when the praise comes. It doesn't matter when the answer gets here. You pray is when, you, when the prayer goes up. Daniel Harris said that. But the worship comes before the prayer. And just, just so you don't think I'm crazy and making this up as I go, in Acts 28, Paul and Barnabas, I think, are in jail, handcuffed. Um, and I, I want to say there was, there was a good chance that they were both going to die. Um, and they worshiped the whole night. All they could do was worship. They didn't do anything else. They sung and they praised. Um, and they had, they had nothing to lose. And so they had everything to give. And they gave it all. Because they knew, what else can we do? What else can we do? They assigned all their affections. In Acts 15, Paul was on a boat with 200 plus other people. And none of them had eaten in 14 days. And they all had their last meal. They thought they were going to sink and all die. Um, and they had their last meal. Paul said, let's have the last meal. And they worshiped. They worshiped the Lord. They gave up everything themselves. They're the most dire straits. And they said, everything I have, Lord, this is yours. You can have it. From this point forward, all of it's yours. And then they prayed and they praised. And then the Lord sent an answer. And not a single one of them died and, they're all, and they all survived. But the worship came first. And so I feel like it's a huge blessing because I still have a whole summer to live this out, you know? High school might, I have graduation Saturday. High school is over academically, but I still have a whole summer and that can change me more than the whole rest of my four years combined. And I think we're all in the same boat. This summer could change our lives. And so my challenge for myself that I wanna share with you all, start examining your heart now and find what you can sacrifice, which is really hard to do and really scary to do. It takes a lot of faith. But I promise it'll be worth it. Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice, right? That's the gospel. Nobody could do what he did. He had to be the perfect lamb, the perfect sacrifice. His whole life was leading up to a sacrifice. 
and then glorification came after. It's Philippians 2. I think Jesus worshiped perfectly. He knew, the Bible says he knew what he came to do. He knew that he was a sheep among wolves and he knew what his destiny was, but I guarantee you he was out worshiping all the disciples when the time came. You know? At the Lord's Supper, in between, I can just imagine it. I'm not trying to add to the Bible or anything, but in between the Lord's Supper where he broke the bread and Judas betrayed him, in between that and Gethsemane where he prayed and sweated tears of blood, I guarantee you he was worshiping. Not just because it was Jewish custom or culture, but because he knew this is my last chance before I die to, to worship the Lord in my, in my struggle, before I, before I complete my purpose, before the Lord has, gives me what he's supposed to give me, this is my chance to worship. And I bet he was exalting the Lord. So again, I would just challenge you. What can you sacrifice this each week? I've been asking myself that all day, and I'm gonna continue to. Once I figure it out, ask me about it. I'd love to tell you. I would love to hear y'all's. So, but yeah, what can you sacrifice this week or this, this summer? I'll leave you with this. Worship is hard because you have to let go, but it's worth it. So going into this summer, starting tonight, what are we willing to give up to truly experience worship and be the living and perfect sacrifice that Romans 12 demands that we be? So I just want to leave you all with that. Thanks a lot.